Hello, I'm Mercedes and you're listening to episode 163 of Chat Disney. another episode of the Chat Disney podcast and this week I'm really excited because we're going to be carrying on from where we left off last week and wrapping up our really really interesting in-depth interview with Disney historian Bob Sangwell. So if you did tune in last week you'll know that we left with Bob at the end of the late 70s and he had just started out in his teaching career. So we're going to be picking up from there and travelling up to present day. Very, very exciting. And do stay tuned for the end of today's episode because I will be giving you my thoughts on the new trailer for Thor Love and Thunder. So lots of cool stuff to get through. But before we head into all of that, let's have a quick look at what's been happening in the world of Disney this week. So kicking things off this week with a little bit of Disneyland news and we found out that Tarzan's Treehouse in Disneyland in California is going to be rethemed. That's right, Tarzan's Treehouse is temporarily closed for refurbishment and there are rumours that the Treehouse could even have a little bit of an Encanto theme. I can absolutely see it as the Treehouse in Antonio's bedroom. Wouldn't that be wonderful? But watch this space if you would like to find out what's actually going to be at Tarzan's Treehouse. And also the Kodak Kardashians were slated this week as they paid to cut lines at Disneyland Resort in Anaheim. Now, this isn't anything special for being a celebrity. It is possible to pay to cut lines at Disneyland. There are, of course, resort tour guides that you can pay for that spend the entire day with you. And it does mean that you get to use the disabled and exit lines instead of the main entry lines to the attraction. So if you've got the cash, this is something that's possible for anybody. So there we are. Heading over to Walt Disney World for a little bit of news in our Orlando parks. First of all, big, big news. Characters are back for meet and greets, hugs and autographs. Very, very exciting and something that I was very pleased to enjoy at Disneyland Paris. So I'm hugely, hugely pleased to hear that this is now possible at Walt Disney World as well. And there's also been some limited edition meet greets at Walt Disney World. Gypsy Moth from A Bug's Life was seen at Animal Kingdom for a meet and greet to celebrate Earth Day. Now this is a really rare character sighting. So if you did manage to see this one, I'm hugely jealous. And there's been some new merchandise released at the Magic Kingdom in Walt Disney World as well just last week. We saw some new orchid pink mini ears. They're a bright kind of almost a fluorescent neon pink I would say so no doubt there will be spirit jerseys and lounge flies released very very soon to match this very vibrant pink colour. A little bit of Star Wars news for you all this week and tragically the Mandalorian actor Rio Hackford passed away last week of an undisclosed illness. He was only 51 years of age. You may also know Rio Hackford as the manager in Pam and Tommy on Disney Plus and also as Helen Mirren's stepson. So our thoughts and prayers go out to anybody affected by Rio's passing. And final bit of news for you all this week. I teased this in the intro. We finally got that trailer for Thor Love and Thunder. So if you'd like to hear my initial thoughts, do stay tuned for the end of today's episode and I will let you know. And that's pretty much everything that's been happening in the world of Disney this week. We're now going to continue with part two of our interview with Disney historian Bob Sangwell.
I started doing that and I started doing courses teaching other teachers how to use the things with kids properly. What happened to Pat in all of this? Obviously, you are... She was, she was still teaching. She went... Okay. Um, once I got my job, she came down and she managed to get a, a job in the place where she'd done her teaching practice. Oh, fantastic. Um, and so she she taught right the way through until we had our children. And then she went back on supply um, after that. Oh, amazing. And what did she teach? She taught infants. Yeah. Mainly reception. Nice. And she's... She loved it, and she she ended up teaching for longer than I, uh, well, later than I did. Yes. Um, I got ill health retirement um, in two thousand and one. Wow! So, so I've I've had lots of time to do more Disney. Yeah, <laughs> to really fulfil your Disney historian dream and create yeah, something like that. And give us our Facebook page, and goodness knows what else. That's yeah. awesome. Um, so I entered another competition for um, from Movie Maker, got the first prize, which was a 16 millimeter sound projector and Mickey Mouse, the first 50 years uh, film. Oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah. So that was that was really great. Now, the real Disney bit comes very soon after that. So we've left we've left college. OK, um, We've just moved into our first house, have no furniture as such, or borrowed furniture. Yeah. And Pat's uncle won the pools. What does that mean? He won the football pools that he would uh, spend a little bit of money on. Okay. Each week, okay. Predicting which, which teams would win, right. which would draw. Mm-hmm. And... Because Pat's family had been so good to him, he'd made it a syndicate that had all of their, her family. So everybody got a small amount from the uh, from the winnings. Wow! And I think I think Pat ended up with about seventeen hundred pounds. So, mm-hmm. and he said, "What are you going to do with it?" And we said, "Oh, we're going to buy a bed of our own." <laughs> And bed, and we might even get two armchairs and things oh, like this. Oh, amazing! And, and his face fell. I bet. I bet. He said, "I thought you'd go to Disney." Oh. All right then. There we go. So yeah. that's how so, it happened. How amazing! Yeah. So we went to uh, Walt Disney World in 1969. I think it must have wow. been. Uh, no, wait a minute. No, 79? 79. 79. 79. Yeah. Because Epcot was being built. Um, so all we had was Magic Kingdom. That is um, just like, honestly, that's where I need to check my, it's not really privileged, but just my view, I guess, of things. Because, I mean, I, I went to Walt Disney World for the first time when I was seven and Animal Kingdom had just opened. So it was the four parks that you have right now. Yeah. You know, it, I, I can't even imagine a time where it was just the Magic Kingdom. And, you know, I think it was about a month ago, we had John Ducey and Christine Moore on the show, and he was talking about a similar thing, you know, remembering mm. the contemporary hotel going up and this kind of stuff. And, yeah, that's just... Yeah. I, I had to write everything down. 
Um, it was just so amazing. Yeah, I bet. Um, just crossing the lake and seeing the the castle come into view. Yeah. On a on a the paddle boat, you know. Yeah, yeah. That was that was amazing. Oh, no, forget forget, the, forget the monorail. Yeah, they, they had the monorail. They had it then. Okay, okay. What's the point in the monorail when you no, the boat. Uh, I, I like the boat. My mum and yeah. I can do the boat. The boat. Yeah, so um, we did that, and when you get up to the hub at the top of Main Street, we turned left instead of right because we're British, and uh, we made our way through a very sparse Adventureland, and then. The whole vista opened out, and Frontierland was empty. Oh wow! As you passed, um, went past the tropical serenade and pirates. Mm-hmm. As you looked ahead, you got um, the cafeteria on the right-hand side, yeah. which uh, which is now Sloufoot or something. It's not the uh, Mexican one, is it? That's further around in Frontierland, I think. Yeah. Pico um, Bill is what I was thinking. Mm, yeah, it may well be and that. And, and, and as you looked forwards, you could just see Frontierland Station. Wow. And, and, in, and empty fields. That's... And, the, and a path. I can't even imagine that. Yeah, no splash mountain, no... Um, Big well, thunder. of course, Splash Mountain. I, I, again, like this was another moment where I had to kind of pinch myself watching Tony Baxter talk about how, you know, he had to make this attraction and he had all these animatronics and where was he going to place them? And, you know, and then and seeing, oh, hang on a second. This was in the 80s. Like that was actually not that long before I was born. And for whatever reason, I just always thought that Splash Mountain had been there as long as Pirates or Haunted Mansion. Yeah. Like the fact that that's so much newer, I just see them all the same. <laughs> yeah, we we got we saw the um, Frontierland Station, walked round towards the Country Bear Jamboree. Yes, um, and there was very little there, but there was a Western cowboy shootout on top of the buildings. Okay. Okay. That's cool. Used, that originally was at uh, the Frontierland Station with stunt, stunt men. Oh, see, they don't do stuff like that anymore. Like I've seen so much footage, especially of Disneyland in Anaheim, where yeah. you know, you've got mermaids in the lake and you've got yeah. like, yeah. Mickey wearing lumberjack clothing, like abseiling <laughs> down the Matterhorn. And I feel like stuff like that doesn't happen anymore. And even, you know, meet and greets. I remember, especially in Disneyland Paris, it was just chaos because you just have a random character just come out and a mob would form. And I understand that they want it to be orderly and they want everyone to have, you know, an equal opportunity to meet characters, but now it's so scheduled and planned and that yeah. spontaneity is kind of gone. Yeah. And and even ten years later, when we went with our kids, um, the the characters came out just anywhere and, oh, yeah. and walked along and said hello and yeah, find your autograph books and so yeah, on. I remember that in the in the nineties and noughties, even like I, I have a photo. Um, of myself and my sister and I'm holding my sister so I must have been about 10 and she must have been like two 
And it's just in front of those big doors by Small World in Disneyland Paris. And it's me holding her as a babe in arms with Minnie and Mickey. And that would just never happen. Like on what planet would Minnie and Mickey just stroll through Fantasyland now for a picture? Like that just would never, ever happen. No. You see, there are nice things about being old. Yeah, you can reminisce. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so... We came back from that, and there was a lot of euphoria, as you can imagine, uh, and a lot of and a lot of tears on the last evening when we had to leave. Um, There we go. Yeah. Um, And then back to Clacton, back to teaching, and um, our wonderful Odeon that had been there for for years. Um, It was an Art Deco building, absolutely amazing. Sounds nice um, in our Odeon in Brighton that's underneath the nightclub. <laughs> yeah, and unfortunately it, it closed. Oh. And when I when I saw that it was closing and the, the doors were open, I walked, I don't know how I got the confidence, but I wandered in and I said, are you really closing completely? And, and he said, yes. And I said, you wouldn't happen to have any Disney posters or front of house sets Yes, and he I said, "We we might have any number of those things. They'll be in that office. Just go and help yourself." Wow! So I went into the office and I came out with probably twenty or twenty-five posters. Oh my goodness! And, so good. Oh, it must have been maybe fifty front of house sets and and uh, your. Um, your campaign booklets and synopses that's fantastic you know Bob you very you definitely are very similar to Tash because a teenage Tash used to do a very similar thing um so I met Tash age 11 and I remember going to her house for a sleepover for the first time and she had this huge this massive sully in her bedroom from Monsters Inc this massive cardboard cutout And of course, my reaction was, oh, my God, wow, how did you get that? And her dad is a huge Disney fan. He's the reason, really, that Tash is as into it as she is. And they used to drive around old video stores and say, like, when you're going to throw this out, could you, like, are you just going to recycle it? And they'd say, yeah. And he would say, well, can I give you my telephone number? And when you're done with it, my daughter would love to have it in her bedroom. And so this was a recurring thing that Tash and I would do. We'd go to Virgin Megastore. We'd go to Blockbuster. And I remember my bedroom when I was about 13, I had a huge Finding Nemo cutout with like a little porthole in the middle that had Bruce's face. There was a big Pirates of the Caribbean cutout that I had. Um, I had a Harry Potter one as well. So yeah, definitely a good tip. So getting all these posters and things was the start of my true collection. Um, and I hate to say it, but most of it just went into um, boxes mm-hmm. and, and lived in the loft. Well, that happens often. I, yeah. I, I'm not quite sure what um, my uh, sister did with my collection when she took over my bedroom. And I think I'd rather not know if I'm being honest. Yeah. So there we go. That started the collection. And then as you were recounting, um, I got a friend who was in a video store. Ah. Uh, uh, he also did 
the radio quizzes for the local radio and and I helped him to uh, get good Disney questions and this kind of thing. So it was a bit of give and take. Yeah, a partnership, a question for a poster. Yeah, and and then I think the next big um, thing that happened was around about 1991, 92. Yeah, um, got my Euro Disney shares. Oh, yeah. I got a hundred of those, which were worth about uh, three three euros by the time I'd finished. Yeah, cost cost me a lot more. Yeah, uh, but there we go. Um, and at the same time, I think I think we'd probably just come back. Yes, we'd just come back with the children from our first um, visit to Disney, and. Uh, Somehow I found out that there were, oh, I was I was just looking for anything that I could find on Disney. Um, and I found out that there was a club that had just started called Magical Moments and Memories. I thought you were going to say Club 33. <laughs> if only. If only. Um, yeah, Magical Moments and Memories. It was a British fanzine for oh. Disney. Ah, okay. And so I offered my services and uh, wrote one or two articles, wrote one article about um, when Eisner came in to to take over, um, wrote or let them have the thesis, which was printed. Um, Well, actually, it wasn't printed. It was taken in pieces and linked with um, the same piece by Brian Sibley and Richard Hollis, who you may have heard of. They uh, are Brian do- Hollis I have heard of, yes. Yeah, Brian, Brian Sibley um, is a TV um, and radio writer and speaker, and he and Richard Hollis did a fantastic book on um, the whole is the Walt Disney story and it it categorizes every film every short up to a certain time Um, and they are amazing speakers and I've I've thankfully become very good friends with with the two of them Um, that's that's through this magical moments and memories I got to the point where I was writing and offering to do competition quizzes. And that's the point where my interest in doing the word searches and logic problems and all the rest came in. That makes sense. It's all coming together now, like its own little puzzle. Yeah, any time that um, Sue, who was running it, got a freebie, let's say, such as... um, I don't know, Tokyo Disneyland opening watch, this kind of thing. Nice. Um, she'd, she'd run a competition. Sometimes she would get two freebies from different people. So oh, I could God. enter the other competition. Nice. That's um, really cool. I, I was lucky enough to win the Tokyo Disneyland watch. Um, oh, fantastic. Again, another thing that Tash would definitely want to get her hand on. Yeah. It's very um, um, interesting as well for me because I think – 
right now, like we have this amazing Disney community and it's put me in touch with so many people, including yourself and we've connected and it's all great. And, you know, a massive part of that is again, technology and the internet and the digital era that we're in right now. And isn't it amazing to think that, you know, this community was forming and, you were somebody who'd been actively very interested in Disney for a long time and struggled to find these books about Disney. And I wonder how many other people there were kind of dotted around the world that felt the same, but couldn't connect because we just didn't have, you know, the accessibility that we have right now. It's, it's mad. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't believe how different it is in just a very, very few years. I mean, yeah. when, when you think, um around about 1985 mm. there was one bbc computer yeah or two perhaps per primary school yeah and it it was ferried around a week at a time for each class this kind of thing yeah um to the point now where kids have got laptops and everything ipads Um, and that sort of thing but even even in the 90s i mean the 90s was a period of of real acceleration when it came to digital and technology and you know i i recounted how in primary school we had one computer in the classroom and you'd kind of have your allotted slot but what i also remember is that when i was in year six so this is just the difference between me being in reception and year six we got our first sort of computer lab And we would have like an hour a week where we would go down there as a class and we would all have our own machine. And that's, I mean, how long are you at primary school for like six Six. years, seven years, something like that. And that's how much that accelerated in that time. And then of course, ICT was compulsory when I was at high school and you had to take your GCSE in it. So even just looking at that period of time, as I say, it was kind of real hyper-connected acceleration and just, it's yeah, wild. I must admit, I, I don't like the Science Museum anymore. I used to love it. I haven't been since I was a little it's girl. Not, it's not history anymore. Uh, all I remember about the Science Museum, literally all I remember, I went on a school trip when I was in year four. There was an orb and you would touch it and there was sort of a ah, yes. That's like the only thing I remember. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I visited when I was doing my courier work visiting the the shows in London and um, this was after I'd retired so I was able to uh, show off basically Um, (laughs) and we had a day when I could I was free and freed up to go to the science museum I I wandered in there and I thought well what I'll do is go and have a look at the computer section because that was something I was interested in and the earliest computers they had were way beyond where I started oh really yeah because I mean I told you that I was working as a an office clerk mm-hmm. way back this was 1973 wow my office was the top floor of a building which was probably the size of I don't know three semi-detached houses okay Okay, just imagine them linked together. The top floor was the office. The ground floor was the computer. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Quite different. what, What that computer could do was not quite as much as the first Sinclair computer 
uh, for pocket calculator. Okay, okay. So, you know, I've I really have been. You've seen it all, yeah. Gone, I have gone through from the Stone Age. At, well, not quite, but Ish. yeah, I'll I'll let you have that. No, my, the, thank you. Uh, well, the computer that I remember was an Acorn computer and then of course I remember when we got our first computer at home that was a big deal the Windows 95 I think yeah I used to play all the CD-ROM the Disney games on there as a little girl I had the Mulan one and you had to get her ready for the matchmaker and there was a Hercules one and the training with Phil so yeah that was kind of my still peppered with Disney but my kind of first computer experience you said that you bought shares when Neuro Disney kind of first I did, um, yes. opened. What what was your feeling? Obviously, you know, you'd wanted to go to Orlando and Walt Disney World for a really long time. And then all of a sudden there's this Disney park that's literally pretty much on your doorstep, only a few hours away. Like, I'm assuming you were really excited about that. Uh, yes, just a little. <laughs> 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 yeah, um, nothing, nothing went as planned, however, oh, um, because we still didn't have a great deal of money to to spend on on things because we had the two two children growing up, um, and I'm from near Yorkshire, so money's tight. <laughs> That's um, in the but, north for yeah. American listeners. <laughs> I'll, I'll give you a, a really great example of uh, one of my earliest escapades trying to get with the family to Euro Disney. Yep. EasyJet had their own special Disneyland Paris Euro, Euro Disney um, service. Did they? Yeah. They would fly you into an airport just outside and then you'd get onto a coach which would take you down to the park. Um, however, they never told you that it wasn't running for some of the uh, some parts of the year. Oh, gosh. So we booked our holiday and we went out to the far side of the Champagne district oh, yeah. of France. Okay. To this tiny airport where um, basically the airside and the landside parts of the airport were nothing more than, you know, the, uh, the little plastic screen that you have at the back of Morrison's where they bring the fresh food out. Yeah. That was basically uh, the customs area. Yeah. Uh, we went through there, then tried to find the people that were uh, doing the, the coach down to the park and they said there isn't one until uh i think it was four months time oh good you just stay at the airport for four months so we then had to we then had to walk about two miles with our luggage down to the nearest railway station because it was out this airport was out of town oh my god had to buy tickets to um paris on there so it cost us nearly twice what it was budgeted. Oh, yeah. no. uh, and yeah we, we had a lovely railway journey that we weren't expecting oh gosh I should stop complaining about the RER on my hen oh, that sounds much worse <laughs> much worse well that that was a bit of fun 
but oh, gosh. Um, yeah well, I, when was that was that, <clears throat> 90, was that in 92 uh, that was uh, yeah nine, 94 i think 94 yeah, yeah my my first euro disney experience i have no recollection of um and you might say this is what started the whole thing so it was it was 92 um, I was one. My mum was a single parent, so very similar to your situation. Money was tight, but she'd never she'd never been to Walt Disney World, and she'd always wanted to go. So finding out that you know there was this park that was super close, she had a little girl, and def- desperately wanted to get there. And it turns out she had a friend who was an electrician that had done most of the electrics at the park. And he had an apartment in Paris and said to mum, why don't you come with your baby and stay? So she went with one of her friends and her friend's children. And we went as a little group. I think we got the ferry. Um, and yeah, yeah we, we got to go. Mum got free tickets, which obviously, you know, she was 24 on her own with a baby. So that was like absolutely amazing. And then that was it. She got the bug, as it were. And um, yeah, I always say growing up in my family, Disney trips were just a very normal holiday. And then the movies were kind of your time filler in between trips. So you were just indoctrinated. It wasn't my fault. It's completely... No, not your fault at all, was it? Not at all. Um, And then it got really bad, and I can definitely relate to this, when mum turned 30, which I've just turned 30, so she kind of had this, you know, deep feeling that 30 was not going to be her year, and she really didn't want to be 30, and she was mourning her 20s, and she didn't know what to do to celebrate and just really felt she wanted to be a big kid. So that was when we went back to Disneyland Paris went with my dad it's my dad's first time and that was it Florida after that Paris pretty much every year after that I think my mum I've, I've spoken about this before but she got very afraid after 9-11 and didn't really want to fly so for a very long period of time after 9-11 we would drive to Disneyland and that would be our kind of annual trip um which yeah very lucky and and very very spoiled I, I very much appreciate that now now that I'm having to pay for the Disney trips um I'm very grateful that we got to do that. yeah exactly um amazing and you said that you managed to visit Disneyland at some point as well when was that that's 2019 luckily just just be, just before covid ah what month did you go uh we went november oh, and into awesome. december so we were there for um halloween amazing and um because it was part of a um a trip um we saw the halloween stuff we saw the christmas stuff um but we were also down uh, almost on the border because we stayed in San Diego for a couple of nights and they took us down to the old town, which was very, very Mexican. So we also had, um, uh, oh, Dia de los Muertes. Yes, <coughs> yep, yep, the Day of the so Dead. Day of the Dead was absolutely amazing oh, down there. fantastic. That's so awesome. Uh, yeah. Love that. It's a very good time. Yeah, so... This is the bit where you said, yes, we're going to come back to that. <laughs> when I said I was a bit disappointed by Disneyland, wasn't oh, I? Oh, yeah, you did say that. I'm curious. Well, I was desperate to walk where Walt walked. That was that was the thing. And I wanted to get into the 
town square and look up above the station to see the apartment and all the rest of it. Mm -hmm. um, I managed to do all that. But then I got into the park and I found it was so badly organized compared to Walt Disney World. Yeah. Um, it took us almost forever to find the entrance to um, the storybook canals. Yeah. Yeah. Because the, the signage was almost negligible. Yeah. The cast members weren't nearly as, as good at customer service, I didn't find. Mm -hmm. um, but the saving grace was California Adventure. Oh, my gosh. It gets such a bad rap. It's honestly my favourite Disney park. I, I absolutely loved the place. I loved it as well. And it's really interesting because I obviously going into it, for the first, uh, it, it was really interesting. I hadn't done very much research about California Adventure. When we were growing up, Tash's family were a rare family and that they never did Orlando. They always did California, which most British families yeah. don't tend to do. But That's right. Yeah. Her family, for whatever reason, always did California. And growing up, Tash would talk about California Adventure. And I didn't even know it was Disney. I thought it was, you know, like Knottsbury Farm or just another kind of theme park. And then it wasn't. Yeah, until it's like, just something they built on the car park. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Just what is this California Adventure? She never called it Disney's California Adventure or DCA. She always just said California Adventure. So I didn't realize obviously knew this before I went but I tried to do very limited research because I wanted to be shocked and that's quite a big deal for me because I look at everything I'm awful and um, so went in completely blind and it wasn't until and it, it was only because we had done this big California road trip and the Anaheim portion was at the very end so we'd done San Francisco we'd done Lake Tahoe we'd done Yosemite and it, I was walking around the park and I knew that there was normally those big California letters outside because I'd seen pictures of Tash posing with them, but they had gone. And there was a Ghirardelli chocolate shop. And there was also a sourdough place that was selling clam chowder in bread bowls. And I kind of realized, hang on a second, I think this is meant to be San Francisco. And then I noticed like the Bear County where Soaring is located. And obviously it was Soaring over California originally. Yeah. And I was like, oh, this is meant to be like Yosemite. And then I realized, oh, I get it. California Adventure. But because they've changed it so much now and there's the Cars area and Paradise Pier is Pixar Pier. Yeah. It is kind of lost. So I do understand that people are like, what is this? It's a bit of a mess, whatever. I loved it. I honestly, yeah, one of my favourite parks. What, what was so nice was it was spacious. Yeah. And, and I think it reminded us of Magic Kingdom when we first went. Yeah. Well, yeah. I totally get that when you're talking you about. You walk around and not be yeah. in, in the middle of a crowd. Definitely. And, and we went during food and wine as well. And it, and it still felt, as you say, super spacious. And the yeah. evening, I've got a lovely video. We were sat in the lamplight lounge having, I was having a cocktail and my husband was having a beer. And we were just on the balcony looking out across that lagoon in the middle where they do World of Colour. And even in the video, you can hear some music in the background, but you don't hear the screams from the rides or anything like that because they're on the other side of the water. And I agree, it's quite peaceful um but i'm sorry that you didn't have 
the experience that you you wanted I had a very similar thing um so when I went the castle had scaffolding over it and that was pretty gutting <laughs> yeah yeah no it would it was a nice experience but not what I'd expected I think that's yeah. the best way to I think that's fair and I think that you know one of the things that makes Walt Disney World so amazing is that it was, you know, the second chance, if you will. And some of that yeah. stuff we talk about, about the organization, Walt knew that. And that's why he made Walt Disney World. And it is very evident when you're there. And I totally agree with you. I appreciated it because it was the only one that Walt got to walk down. And I was very, very lucky and did the behind the scenes experience. So I actually went in the firehouse and that was amazing. But I totally agree with you. It's just not, it, it's not as polished. And, and we know that no. the reason that we we have the Magic Kingdom. And I think that for me, I, I, again, I'm really glad I did it. I think my biggest issue with it was the fact that, you know, Disneyland Paris, Shanghai Disney Resort, Walt Disney World, they're all in their own kind of town. And we know that Walt Disney World itself is actually the same size, if not bigger than San Francisco. It's huge. And what I couldn't get my head around was that the morning that I did the tour, my husband had a lie-in and met me at about 11 o'clock and he walked in to Disneyland with a pizza in a pizza box. And I was very embarrassed. Like, what are you doing? He was like, oh, security didn't care. They made a joke and said, do you want some? And I was like, where have you even got that from? He was like, oh, it was like $3, like just from outside. And that kind of, you know, like you shouldn't be able yeah. to buy a $3 pizza outside Disneyland, like literally and, outside. And that's um, exactly why Walt bought up yeah. the, the land yeah. for Florida. Definitely. Yeah. Um, you know, in our hotel, it was just a cheap motel. It wasn't even a partner hotel. And I could see the Tower of Terror, the Guardians of the Galaxy attraction as it is now from outside my room. Like it's that mm. close. Um, and again, you know, why would you stay at the Grand Californian when it's four or five times the price and yeah. equal distance? So, yeah, there's a lot of kind of things that were unavoidable, I guess, when they built Disneyland that they learned. Um, and it's lovely to, you know, have the privilege. I always say this when we're complaining about things on the podcast. We're very lucky that we have the privilege to be able to compare and contrast because for lots of people, you know, they've never been or they've only been to one. So they can't do that. Yeah. Since you mentioned the, um, was it the Kingdom Tour? Backstage tour? It wasn't. So it was the Keys of the Kingdom, I think, the Magic Kingdom one. I did... Um, yeah it's called it's a bit of a tongue twister actually it's called walk in walt's footsteps ah yes yes i know the one yeah 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 um, so i just thought it was worth mentioning in case anybody else goes over to disney world take those tours they oh, seem I've, I've never done a expensive world oh wow oh maybe i should do that when i go in september i've never done a magic kingdom i did before. i did keys to the kingdom tour um the one thing I would say is, um, if you know a little bit about it, don't say anything. Okay. Um, simply because the cast members have been given their information. And if you start asking difficult questions, simply because you want to know a little bit more, I made that mistake. <laughs> and I was, I was fascinated by all of the different windows on Main Street. And there was a name that I didn't recognise. And so I asked the cast member uh, what it represented. 
And he said, well, it's, it's just what they put on, on the windows to make it look like um, a small town. And I went, well, no, apart from you've got Mike, Michael Eisner and, and he went, oh, well, I didn't know about that. Yeah, I had a similar experience in California when I was asking about Squaw Valley. So I was just painted that picture and yeah. I was talking to my ski instructor about it. And he said, um, we were on the ski lift and he said, oh, now I know you're interested in Disney. Like later when we go on the ski lift, I want to point something out. And I was like, oh, okay. And we went up this ski lift and there was this rocky kind of mountainous area. And he said those rocks over there were the Imagineers took casts of that for Big Thunder Mountain because Walt knew that he wanted it to look like that from his time in school. And it was one of those things that people say and you think, is that true? I Googled it and I did find a little bit about it, but not an awful lot. So naturally, similarly to you, I inquired and they just looked at me and went, oh, everyone loves their little wives tales and brushed apart. And it was like, OK, you don't you don't know. So, yeah, they definitely have kind of their talk track and their script. Yeah. They've been briefed. But, on, but, which is fine. You know. Yeah. Having said that, um, they are really interesting. Yes. I mean, yes, seeing backstage is is amazing. I, we've we've done the keys to the kingdom um, in its old form, and we've also done um, behind Epcot. Oh, that I would be really interested. That was in. interesting. Uh, things things like the reason they have a wa- um, a waterfall um, in the park next to Canada is because that's where the trucks that come in to bring the food in for the eateries nearby, they reverse there, and it's so that you don't hear the bleeps. I love <laughs> stuff like that. That is yeah. just golden. And, and, and all those trees that are lining that woodland that lead up to it, they're all in their own little pots, so that if any of them dies... They whip them out of the pot and just stick a new one in. New one. Oh, I love things like I that. love that kind of thing. Yeah, the detail. Yeah. I, I might do that. Do you know what? I might. I'm going, yeah, I'm going to Walt Disney World in September for two weeks. I haven't been for 10 years and it'll be my husband's first time. And I, th- I think he'll enjoy it. He's a very good sport. I know I call him grumpy kindly on this podcast, but he very much understands how important it is to me and he's very like he's like no no this you haven't been there for 10 years we're getting up we're doing rope drop we're staying till the fireworks knows how important it is to me and you know he goes on every single attraction and he queues up to see every single character um so yeah maybe I, I don't know if he'll do the tour but maybe if I can tell him you know I'm doing the tour this morning you can do some golf because I know there's golf there, which is one of the reasons I've been able to draw him in. Yep. <laughs> then hopefully that, that can happen. But no, I will certainly look into that. I hadn't even considered doing a tour. Yeah, that's really good. Um, I don't know how much more you want to talk about. Um, well, I, I think you've given us, I mean, pretty much your your life yeah. story. Well, there's, the, yeah, there's... Uh, 2019 sort of, I, yeah. I would, I would say all that I've got left is um, the various people that I man- managed to meet along oh, the go way. Oh, go on, take it away. Bit, a bit of name dropping, is it? Yeah, do it, <laughs> yeah. do it. Carl Box did a European right. tour bringing all his artwork over. 
with nice. his team. So that was one of our first ones. Meeting lots of different authors. Um, Didier Guest, do you know about Didier? He, he's the one who's written all the books about Disneyland Paris. <clears throat> oh, yeah. And Sketch to Reality. Chris, Chris and, Fletcher and, likes those books. Yeah. yeah I know. Um, Dave Smith, I managed to meet 20 years after doing the um, the thesis, which he needed. Oh, how wonderful. He asked for. Oh. So he's he signed it twice. He signed, signed the letter that I got um, to acknowledge the thesis. And then when he came over, I took the thesis itself down. Oh, and he signed that as oh, well. Oh, that's wonderful. Um, <clears throat> that's amazing. Yeah. Met Mark and Alice Davis. Oh, you met? Oh, that's just amazing. Yeah. And and Mark Davis, for any of our listeners, is one of the nine old men. And he was, I think, the real driving force behind the comedy aspect of Jungle Cruise, right? Yeah. Um, and he was one of the uh one of the first Imagineers. Um, he particularly did Pirates and Haunted Mansion. Um two of my favorites. And and his wife Alice dressed all the characters in pirates. Um, and then met Jodie Benson. She came oh, over with the Little Mermaid. Tash will be just so jealous. She she <laughs> is just lovely. She's brilliant, isn't she? You yeah. can just tell her energy and yeah. yeah. And the only other thing I've done is managed to write the two books and sing with well, the Dapperdoms. I think <clears> that they're huge achievements. And for anybody that is listening to the podcast today, I will of course put links to both of Bob's books in the oh, show notes. Of course, they're available to buy on Amazon. And yes, I can definitely uh, attest to the fact that they are very yeah. good reads and very fun puzzles. Yeah, one on the film history. Yeah, of words in word searches, and one on the history of Walt Disney World. There we are, two of my favourite topics. It's been <laughs> an absolute pleasure, Bob. Thank you so much for sharing yourself with us, and I've I've learned so much. So I'm sure our listeners will have done as well. And you are welcome back to the podcast whenever you like. Oh, I'd I'd love to come and talk about Disney and his childhood. Oh yeah, let's um, do it. It's that a would be great. It's yes, been yeah. lovely, and I hope I've not taken too much of your time. No, don't be silly. Thank you so much. Once again, thank you so much to the wonderful Disney historian and friend of the Chat Disney podcast, Mr. Bob Sangwell. Once again, if you are interested in purchasing either of Bob's puzzle books, we have linked to them in last week's episode and this week's episode in the show notes. But that's not where this episode concludes. We're now going to head into a live trailer reaction of the brand new Thor Love and Thunder trailer. Well, what are you waiting for? Something amazing, I guess. So Thor, Love and Thunder is, of course, one of the upcoming movies from Marvel Studios. It is going to be released later on this year, 2022. I don't know an awful lot about the movie, so I'm very excited to watch the trailer. All I know about it is obviously that Chris Hemsworth is going to be reprising the role of Thor. And I believe Natalie Portman is going to be reprising her role in the franchise as well. So I'm very curious to see if she's going to make an appearance in the trailer. So if you've not yet watched the trailer, pause the podcast, come back and join us once you have. But for me right now, I'm going to hit play and I'm going to give you my live trailer reaction. Okay, we've got baby Thor running through a forest, aging up. Who were once used for battle. Now they're but humble tools for peace. Okay. I need to figure out 
exactly who I am. Guns and Roses. Okay, overweight Thor working out. I will choose my own path. Guardians of the Galaxy. Love this. My superhero days are over. Okay, this looks epic. Epic. Nice. Romance. Okay, I'm just feeling my oats right now, loving this. Snow Planet. Kind of looks Game of Thrones esque. Ah, that girl. More Chris Pratt. Mantis. <laughs> Comedy. Just listening. Okay, I love, I, yeah. Love and thunder. I love. Oh, is that Natalie Portman as Thor? Oh my God. This looks insane. Oh my God. I was not expecting that ending there. Oh my God. Okay, I'm really excited about this movie. I'm really enjoying the music. I love that Guardians, the Guardians of the Galaxy are going to be in this film. I love the Guardians franchise. I know Chris Pratt is quite a controversial individual, but I'm really excited. I'm loving the Guns N' Roses music and hopefully, you know, music is going to be a really big influence in this film. I love the way that Marvel sometimes combine music to really help with setting the theme and the time and the pace of a movie. We see this in Captain Marvel with the 90s soundtrack and of course in the Guardians movies with the 80s soundtrack. So I'm hugely excited about this and that Natalie Portman teaser at the very end had me at the edge of my seat. This is clearly set after the events of Avengers Endgame as we do see Thor out of shape, working out, you know, trying to, I guess, revive himself and become the God of Thunder once again. But I'm, oh my God, so pumped for this film. And what a way to end today's episode because next week I'm going to be diving into the best Marvel movies of all time. We're going to be giving you a, a top 10, if you will, and I'm going to be joined by a very, very special co-host. Those of you in the Disney podcasting community may be familiar with next week's co-host, so definitely if you're a Marvel fan or you want to get into Marvel, come join us next week at the same time and the same place as ever. You can find us on Twitter at ChatDisneyUK or on Instagram at ChatDisney. And once again, big, big love and thank you to Mr. Bob Sangwell for featuring on today's episode. Bye for now. Thank you. Goodbye now. Goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Goodbye.